0: Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of leadership in the church. I'm Joel Dorman. One of the main struggles congregations seem to have is the basic answer to the question, who are we here for? Now, we can mostly agree that ultimately, we're here because of and for the glory of God in Christ Jesus, but after that, we struggle a little bit too much. In part one of Knowing Your Culture, we talked about the difference and thought about the difference between an Acts 2 approach and an Acts 17 approach. Now, I highly recommend if you've not listened to that yet, stop where you are, go back and listen to part one, because everything we're about to talk about, everything we're about to unpack is based on understanding the difference between an Acts 2 approach and an Acts 17 approach. And if you're listening to this podcast, you are in all likelihood in an Acts 17 culture, and that demands an Acts 17 approach. I have a fishing proverb on my wall, and it reads as follows It is not according to the taste of the angler, but according to the taste of the fish that one baits the hook. Again, it says, It is not according to the taste of the angler but according to the taste of the fish that one baits the hook. When you go fishing, and if you don't go fishing, then you're about to learn something about fishing, you put bait on the hook that the fish will respond to. Anglers will often ask each other, what are the fish biting on? Why? Because they want to catch fish. They don't go fishing to not catch fish. They want to catch something and probably catch something big. Jesus told his disciples he would take them from being people who caught fish to fishers of people in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. These ancient anglers knew how to catch fish from techniques to bait. This was their livelihood. This was their business. They knew how to catch fish. I don't think Jesus intended them to check their brains at the door just because they were following him. Instead, I believe he expected them to use what he gave them. They knew how to fish for fish. Now they would fish for people. And it's not according to the taste of the angler, but according to the taste of the fish that one baits the hook. But the problem for most congregations, based simply on our constant decline, is we're baiting our hooks based on our tastes and not the fish, that is, the people we're actually trying to reach. We're baiting our hooks for what Christians have a taste for instead of what the fish, those people who are going to hell apart from Jesus, have a taste for. Now, I remind you what I've said over and over again in my podcast and my writing. I do not find proof in the scripture of the church's existence being for the church. In other words, the church doesn't exist for itself. I don't find biblical proof for that. I'm pretty sure your Bible reads like mine does. So that means as Christians, we are missionaries in a missionary agency whose sole purpose is bringing glory to God the Father by taking the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. We are commanded to catch fish, scripturally. And since we're told to catch fish for Jesus, we'd better realize whose tastes get to set the bait. I am fully aware that many will have a knee-jerk response to this, and they'll scream, that's attractional. That's ecclesiastical heresy, at least at a level two, maybe a level three. <laughs> many churches resist this word, attractional. They fight it. They vomit in their mouth at it. And look, I, I, to a certain degree, I understand. But I have a news flash for you. Every church is attractional, 100%, no exceptions. They are attractional in this sense. They are designed to achieve their current results. They are designed to attract a certain type of person. They have embraced every single church has embraced certain musical, aesthetic, and ambiance choices, and they have rejected certain musical, aesthetic, and ambiance choices. Why? Because they're trying to attract a certain thing, a certain type of person. You might not think of it as attracting people, but why do some congregations use pipe organs? while others use rock bands? Why do some have brass-coated chandeliers glowing at full intensity of 3,500 Kelvin light, while other congregations have the worship space nearly in darkness and accentuated by haze-enhanced prismatic beams of multicolored lights illuminating their worship space? Why do some congregations demand their pastors wear robes or suits while others demand jeans and flip-flops? Answer, they are attractional. Every last one of them. They are all choosing to be a certain thing in order to bring in certain people who are attracted to that certain thing. 100% of our musical, aesthetic, and ambiance choices are baiting our hooks for somebody. I keep repeating this because this is the part we've got to understand. We are already attractional. We are already designed in each congregation to reach a certain type of person. That's not in question. It's not the question because it's why we do what we do. So the question then is this. What fish is your congregation trying to catch? Most declining churches... Which amounts to you know, nearly 90% of congregations in America. It depends on how wide you want to throw the net of measuring that, but roughly 80, 90%, they're doing the same thing as every other declining congregation. Okay? So, every, like most declining congregations are doing what every other declining congregation is doing, and that is they're trying to reach an already convinced audience with the bait that's only appealing to themselves. Let me say that very, very pragmatically. It means they're trying to reach the insiders that these congregations are designed to reach the already convinced, the already redeemed, the already insiders, and so these congregations use a bait that only appeals to those people who are already convinced and already insiders. So the problem is... Declining churches tend to be driving towards an overly saturated market. Now, I know, I know, that's like a level four heresy to imply that evangelism is marketing. But, but just, just think about it for a second. How many congregations do you know trying to reach roughly 1950s-ish style Christians and the results are insanely pointless? Now, in the 21st century, we we might have updated a few things here and there. The worship wars modernized our music, I mean, just kind of across the board, at least in the evangelical spectrum. I mean, we've kind of thrown some newer stuff in there, but really, ultimately, even in most of the declining churches, they're still doing it in a way that is appealing to this 1950s-ish kind of heyday, maybe 1980s if you're really progressive, heyday of you know, the Christian market. It's an Acts 2 method. By definition, it is speaking to an Acts 2 world of people who are already convinced they're 90% of the way there, maybe they're 99% of the way there. Look, and I'm not saying evangelism doesn't happen in those churches, because that's not true. Evangelism does happen in those congregations. Even in declining, there are people coming to Jesus. I'm not arguing that. I'm saying it's an acts to approach. They are designed and they are attractional to people who are already in church. They're already in the congregation. So the evangelism is limited to those who maybe recognize that they're playing at church and not really meaning it, or, or maybe they're children of church people. You know, it's, it's a very um, saturated market but it's an Acts 2 method in an Acts 17 world. Our culture is much more Roman than it is Jewish. I don't know exactly where you're listening from, but in 21st century American culture, we have a lot more in common with 1st century Rome than we do with, you know, 2nd, 3rd century BC Judaism. Moreover, Jesus didn't command us to approach the world in an Acts 2 method. For the record, he didn't command necessarily an Acts 17 method. Jesus commanded us to reach the lost. So that's why in Acts 2, there's a certain approach, because that's where, the, that's where the, the fish were. But by the time we're in Acts 17 and we're in the later New Testament, we're in a whole different world. We're in a world that looks like ours today. And Jesus commanded us to make disciples, not entertain the long-time Christians. As any decent fisherman will tell you, it's not according to the taste of the angler, but according to the taste of the fish, that one baits the hook. Church leader, what are you baiting your hook with? Remember, you are attracting somebody. Is it the already convinced? Or are you baiting the hook for those who desperately need to hear the good news of Jesus? As you consider our Acts 17 culture, honestly look at your methodology for reaching them. Are you assuming they're already like us preaching types? Are you assuming Acts 2? Are you going to use bait that only reaches longtime Christians who wish to be entertained by the church world that's already built around them? Or are you going to step out in tremendous faith and courage and reach an Acts 17 world with Acts 17 methods? Are you going to use the tools at your disposal to love them like Jesus and show them the most excellent way? Thank you so much for joining me on the journey and knowing the culture you're in and how to reach it for Jesus. You've got this because Jesus has got this. Bait the hook well Cast the line far, and let's be an angler of people for Jesus.